At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, but my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Thank you, Dave Snyder, continuing chronologically through the Bible. Solomon wrote, but did not include this in his book, and the closer we get to Ecclesiastes, I think I know why. 200 years later, God used Hezekiah to fix that in Proverbs 25, verse number 1. Proverbs 27 is where we're at today. Hell and destruction are never full. Stop right there. Hell and destruction are never full. There's plenty of room in hell. Why? Because there are so many people going to it. Now there's a common assumption in churches today that God loves everybody. And because he loves everybody, at the last minute, he's going to say, you know what, I forgive you. Jesus paid for that one too. You can come on in. That's the assumption. <laughs> then why is hell so big? Hell is big because there's so many people going. There um, are a lot of people who reject the God of the Bible because it was given to Israel. And their argument is, is what about China? What about India? Uh, you're talking millions of people that um, they're not going to believe because they don't have it. It's just not something that's presented to them. I submit to you that's hell and destruction making room for them. That's a terrible thing, but it's why we send missionaries. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Or in the same way, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Hezekiah's men are beginning a section on our sin nature. I've never taught directly on the sin nature. This is the first time I've, I've I bounced around with it. Our sin nature is what makes sovereign grace necessary. Yep. If, if my sin nature were not so strong, then I could choose Jesus. I'm going to show you this morning that, that no one can choose Jesus unless the Holy Spirit makes them alive. That's right. Yep. Okay? Now that brings up an interesting discussion that I want to go ahead and, and talk about right now. Does God save a man, then he repents? Or does he repent, then he gets saved? You cannot say that he made the first move. You can't. Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. The Father has to give, then the man has to repent. I submit to you, and this is going to be thick. So, so take it and study it. Particularly you. I'm, I'm really curious what you find on this. I submit to you that the primitive Baptists are right on this issue. What do the primitive Baptists believe? Primitive Baptists believe that the elect are going to be saved. Okay? They believe that when they repent, it's because God or the Holy Spirit opened their eyes. But they did not get saved because they prayed the sinner's prayer. They did not get saved because they repented. 
They got saved because they're one of the elect. And the more I study this, the more I believe it. Now, this is something that's very, very offensive to mainline Christianity because mainline Christianity says, well, God loves everybody. If God loves everybody, why make hell so big? Just let them all in. Chew on that. Let, let me know what you think on that. But um, uh, I, I study this, and it's like, this position is a primitive Baptist position. Yes, sir? You answered this for me before, but um, I forget what, exactly what your answer was. But in the Bible, many times it always says the world. Mm -hmm. Everybody assumes the whole world. And the but passage you read tonight said that. Right. Mm -hmm. What did you, you say that... For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now that world is the same world in 1 John which you read a few minutes ago. That passage says He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but the sins of the whole world. So the world that He loves is the world that He paid for. If He loves everybody, everybody is paid for. Everybody. You say, well they have to choose first. I'm going to show you this morning they won't. They can't choose first. That being said, you will want to take notes. I'm not going to go fast. If we don't get done, we'll finish it again next Sunday. Uh, I fully expect to get some response from Sermon Audio on this, and I'm ready for it. Sin starts with selfishness. Always. Sin starts with selfishness. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Selfishness is never satisfied. Very, very, very important. No sin will ever scratch the itch. Ever. You may feel like it did, but the very next day, if it takes that long, you'll have the urge again. Sin cannot satisfy the itch. Yesterday was a very frustrating day for me with my eating. I could not get full yesterday. During the week, I can get full easy. I can... I can there are times during the week where I'm so busy that I don't have to eat at all. I could go the whole day and not eat. Saturdays are difficult because my mind is at rest. Yesterday, you're going to love this. Yesterday I had more food than I had the previous week altogether. That's how much I ate yesterday. Why? Selfishness is never satisfying. I was eating for satisfaction and food will never, ever, ever scratch the itch. Whatever our sin is, our sin of choice, our, the sin that so easily trips us up, we keep going back to it because we think it will bring satisfaction eventually. It never has, never will. Weekly, I record my weight. Seeing 201, that number made me happy five times. I actually did, uh, I went through and looked Sing 201 made me happy five times and sad three times. Folks, it's the same number. It's the same number. Then I thought about the weather. Everybody talks about the weather and what's wrong with it. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too wet. It's too dry. It needs to change. Why? Because we're never satisfied. Never. I challenge you to keep track of how many times you say the weather is perfect. Now, I'll bet it may be one day a year, if that, because we're never satisfied. Our sin nature won't permit it. 
we continue to look for what God didn't give us. Write that down. We continually look for what God didn't give us. That is our sin nature. Once we get to heaven, we will not look for what God didn't give us. It will not occur to us to look for what God didn't give us. All we will see is what God did give us. And I submit to you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can begin that now. We don't have to be slaves to our sin nature. However, we're not going to beat our sin nature. It's going to be a battle if we choose to fight it, or you can do like a lot of Christians, and I was one of them for a long time, we could just say, you know what? I'm going to heaven, that's enough. I submit to you that's not enough for God. I submit to you. The book of James said there, says there must be works. Has to be. The works don't cause the salvation. The salvation causes the works. Correct. If there are no works, it is a sign, not a guarantee, but it's a sign that there's no salvation. The works have to come eventually. 1 John 2.16 that Ray read a minute ago, one of the most important verses in all the Bible, write this verse down. I doubt that when he read it, it hit you, but when, when he read it, it screamed at me. This verse has always screamed at me because I was taught in Christian school what's actually in this verse. The three areas in 1 John 2.16. For all that's in the world, number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life. Write that down. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, once you get done writing that down, look up at me, because it's very important that we catch this. These three areas are the same three areas that Satan used to tempt Jesus. Lust of the flesh was turning stones to bread. Was Jesus not hungry? His flesh wanted the bread, yet he did not sin. The lust of the eyes was when Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world. Did Jesus not come to save people? Would it be a whole lot easier if he didn't have to die? That temptation was the lust of the eyes. Pride of life was jumped from the pinnacle of the temple. I don't know if you know what the pinnacle of the temple is. I did a study on it. It's the highest point on the temple mount. It has a valley down below that you cannot survive if you jump from the highest point. Satan said, if you're really God, if you're God, pride of life. I can imagine Jesus saying, I really, really, really want to show this jerk who he's talking to. He didn't. He said, nope, I'm not going to do it. Those three areas are what feed our sin nature. Our sin nature will grab onto one of those three or two of those three, if not all of those three, every single time. Jesus aced it because he was not selfish. We frequently fail because we are selfish. I want what my eyes see. I want what my flesh wants. I want what my 
pride. We're not supposed to have pride, but we have it. I want what that is. Yesterday, in all that food, knowing I was going to preach this, I still ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. Lust of the flesh. 21. As the fighting pot for silver and the furnace for gold. Stop. What does the fighting pot do for silver? What does the furnace do for gold? If we don't understand this, then we won't recognize the rest of the proverb. When I buy gold, which is never, but when I have bought gold, I don't go to the, the, uh, the, um, the mine and dig it up. I go to the store. Why do I go to the store? Because that's where the good stuff is, the clean stuff is. I look to see if that is worth what they're charging. When you're buying a diamond, these are things that you have to remember or else you'll get ripped off every time. The fine pot for silver is what makes it pure. The furnace for gold is what makes it pure. It takes out the bad. Add the fighting pot and the furnace. The bad comes out. Now that is the example he's giving us. As the fighting pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. This is very similar to Proverbs 17.3. The fighting pot for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. So the same example is used, but the results are are different uh, different focuses add the Lord to the heart in Proverbs 17 3 add the Lord to the heart the bad comes out just like adding the silver the, 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 uh, the fighting pot and adding the furnace to the silver and gold makes the bad come out adding the Lord to the heart makes the, the, the bad come out what does that say if we don't add the Lord to the heart the bad's there it's going to stay there. And that's why hell has to be so big. What about so as a man to his praise? As the fighting pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. How does praise take out the bad? Typically, praise builds pride. But typically, in the life of a Christian, the pride doesn't stay. Now watch this. Add praise to the man. Usually it causes him to forget he deserves hell. <clears throat> and this is a problem that most Christians have. I chose Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I, I. Then he begins to show he deserves hell which is the problem in most churches. Bunch of members that act like non-saved people because they're going to heaven. When the praise stops, which is what I think the proverb was saying, when the praise stops, the bad pride comes out. And it is painful when that happens. This is true especially with celebrities. Celebrities can't deal with the praise stopping because they are addicted to the praise. They believe the nonsense that they're being fed and then when the nonsense goes away, 
they got it turned to drugs. And a lot of them wind up dead because all that bad is trying to come out and they don't want it to come out. They want the praise. As the fine popper silver, the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. The praise starts the process, which those other two do as well. 22. Though thou shouldest bray a fool in mortar among wheat with a pestle. Do not answer out loud. How many of you know what any of those things are? Okay, I didn't know what any of those things were. I could assume it had something to do with turning wheat into flour. But again, we buy flour, we go to Walmart. So I looked up what is braying in mortal, in mortar with wheat in a pestle. What is braying mortar with a pestle? What is that? You know what I got? This. Okay. Typically, we see this at what they call an apothecary. An apothecary, if I'm wrong, tell me, wait. An apothecary is where they take uh, drugs and combine them together so that when it's time to take the pill, you take one pill instead of five different ones. Is that apothecary? Okay. Um, uh, this is something a lot of older people use um, so that they don't have to take a whole handful of pills. What do they do with wheat in this? You notice here there are kernels of something. I don't know what that is. They take this and they grind it. They grind it, they grind it, they grind it. And they grind it to where there's nothing but a fine powder when they get done. Now in making bread, they do this on a very large scale. But it's just a matter of crushing, beating it up till there's nothing left. Though thou brayest the fool in his mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. He can't get rid of his foolishness. No matter what. No matter what. What is worse than being ground to dust? Other than hell itself. What could I do? Sorry, Wade, you jumped right into this one. Did not. Wednesday night, Wade said that God paid for the sin that he was going to commit on the way home when someone pulled out in front of him. I asked him, did you sin? He said, no. I said, well, you said he was going to, but he got away with it because he believed that he was going to sin. I asked him, I can't remember how I said it, so this is probably just a, a summation, okay? Why is it he just accepts it? His answer was, it's just ingrained in me or something like that. Hardwired. It's hardwired, hardwired. Okay, hardwired means it's too hard to break the wire. I said, what does that say about the Holy Spirit? Then Wade had to stop for a second because the Holy Spirit's job is to break those hard wires. Can Wade, according to Proverbs 27-22, break the desire to sin when someone pulls out in front of him? According to Proverbs 27:22, can Wade break it? The answer is no, he cannot. No matter what he does to himself, grinding it to the, there's nothing but dust left. It still will not leave. Why? That is our sin nature. Our sin nature does not go away until we leave the body. Even after we're saved, our sin nature is there. 
Christians have just as much a problem with the sin nature as unchristians do, with one exception. We have the help of the Holy Spirit if we will not stifle Him. We can't stifle the Holy Spirit. We can say, you know what? I'm hardwired. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know why anybody would say something like that, but that's pretty much what stifling the Holy Spirit is. Right, Wade? Yes, that's what I thought you were going to say. This is the doctrine of total depravity. You will want to take notes. If you haven't started taking notes, you will want to take notes on this. I promise you, you're going to want to take notes on this. All the verses I'm going to show you are going to be very familiar because in sovereign grace they're used very, very frequently because total depravity is what makes sovereign grace necessary. We're going to go through this twice. It's actually one, two, three, eight slides long. It's, it's going to be two full pages when it's done. It's going to have that many verses in it. We're going to take each section at a time and read the verse to make sure that what was said, by the way, I didn't write what I'm going to put up there. I just thought it was an amazing way to put it together. Make sure each section actually means what it says. Then we will come back and read through it without the verses and just see, putting them together, if it's true. We're going to start with, man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Now, we're going to turn to Jeremiah 17.9. Please look in your Bible. I want you to see this in your Bible, particularly if you think that, you know what? Jesus loves everybody. He paid for the sins for everybody. So, I chose, he didn't. What's the difference between the two? Something I did? No. Can't happen. I'm going to show you why it can't happen. In my Bible, which is my phone, let's go here. Jeremiah 17, verse number 9. For those on sermon audio, I'm purposely giving people time to turn there. So there's no excuse. Is everyone there? You can see this in your Bible. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Is the statement, man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, true? Absolutely. According to your Bible that you're looking at right now, that statement is true. Now let's go to the second statement. Again, we're going to put them all together after we're done going through the verses. Man is born dead in trespasses and sin. We're going to start with Psalm 51.5. So turn to Psalm 51.5. Very important you see this in your Bible. Psalms 51. The book of Psalms. It's actually Psalm 51. But it's the book of Psalms, chapter 51, verse number 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, in sin did my mother conceive me. Does that lend to the, to the what statement, man is born in trespasses and sin? It doesn't say the whole thing, but does, does it lend to what the statement is? Yes. But we're going to add to it three more, or two more. Psalm 58.3. Psalm 58.3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. 
They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. Now, does that lend to man is born dead in trespasses and sin? Does that lend to that? Yes. Doesn't say the whole thing, but it lends to it. Now, we're going to look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, and this is going to be very familiar. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. A lot of Christians can quote this because so many preachers preach on it so much because it's so important. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. And you hath they quickened or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Man is born dead in transgression and sin. That says it straight up. But let's keep going. Wherein in time past ye walked, this was how you lived, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, and the children of disobedience. Their sin nature is fed by Satan among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, which again, man is born dead in trespasses and sin. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, God makes the first step. Typically, it's taught that God sent Jesus because he loves everybody. Jesus paid the price, and now it's your turn. That's not how it works. But God, who is in rich, who's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, five, even when we were dead in sins, before we said the sinner's prayer. Again, I know this is a lot. But this is what I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive this is how it works. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive, together with Christ, by grace are you saved. I thought it was saying that prayer that made you saved. Well, you don't have to say those words, but as, as long as you, 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 you come and say, God save me, as long as you do that, you get saved. I submit to you, we do this because we're already saved. So, well, how can that be? Once God starts it, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Coming to him is the result of him giving him. Everyone who gets shown this will come to him. That's the doctrine of irresistible grace, which we're going to cover in the future at some point. If Proverbs deals with it, we'll deal with it. But uh, irresistible grace, you can go online and get all kinds of information about that. So, man is dead in trespasses and transgression and sin. Is that a true statement based on what you just saw in your Bible? Shake your hands yes or shake your hands no. Yes. yes. I think we just I think he proved it. Because unregenerate man is dead in transgressions, which we just read. Unregenerate man is dead in transgressions, Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 5. He is held captive by a love for sin. John 3.19 Some people call this Big John. First John is actually the second book that John wrote. Second John is actually the third book that John wrote. Third John is actually the fourth book that John wrote. Revelation is actually the fifth book that John wrote. I, th I found that very fascinating. John chapter 3 and verse 19 says this. 
And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than life because their deeds were evil. Does that lend to he is held captive by a love for sin? It doesn't actually say it, but it lends to it. Let's add to it to John 8, 34. Same book, chapter 8. John 8, 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Do saved people commit sin? Yes. He's held captive by a love for sin. He's servant of that love for sin. Would you say that's a true statement so far? So far, the, the statement that we're building is backed up by Scripture, and we're going to put it all together in a few minutes. What's the next one? So that he will not seek God. What? But God loves everybody. We just have to choose. He will not choose. He will not. Watch this. Romans 3, 10 and 11. Romans 3 is, is basically a synopsis of what we're, being, we're talking about here, and we're going to talk more about it. Probably, uh, the way it's going now, it's going to be next week before we do it. Romans 3, 10 and 11. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. What does that say? With God loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. Now you have to choose. What does that say? You will not choose. You will not. The doctrine of total depravity does not say we are the worst people that ever lived. Hitler's got that, that choice or that, that title. It says that everything in us is affected by sin and so far everything has led to that. Now what does it mean to say that everything's infected by sin? I want you to imagine that you're going to go to a hospital and you're going to get a blood transfusion. And one of the bags that they're going to give you has AIDS, HIV. Now we're going to let you pick which bags you want. Oh, there's a whole thing. There's one of them got AIDS in it. How many of us would accept blood transfusion or will we go to some other hospital? The reason we would not accept it is because that whole blood supply, even though there's good parts to it, the whole blood supply is infected because we don't know what part is actually the bad part. Everything makes it unacceptable. Total depravity. Totally unacceptable. We will not seek God. Are everybody with me still? This is definitely going to go into next week. Because he loves the darkness, John 3.19, same chapter. John 3.19. No, that's Romans. John 3. I was going to say that verse didn't make any sense. John 3. 19. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. When do they stop loving darkness? Never. 
until they get out of this flesh because their deeds were evil. Does a saved person still commit sin? Yes. Nobody's going to say except for one group of people that once you get saved, you never sin again. And if that's the case, then heaven's going to be very, very, very lightly populated. Do we still love the darkness? Yes, we do. Let's keep going. And does not understand the things of God. This is 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians, not Chronicles, but Corinthians 2 and verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man, the man that's not led by the Spirit, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Am I still a natural man? If I'm not following the Holy Spirit, I'm going to act like a natural man. I'm going to stay that it's too hard for me not to get upset in traffic. Amen. But... If I allow the Holy Spirit to work on me, I'm not the natural man anymore. Now the battle starts. The spiritual man, the part that actually comes alive when you get saved, that does not sin. The natural man does sin, and the two war against each other. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, and he don't have the Spirit. So is that statement true so far? Okay, let's go on. Therefore, men suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. This is Romans 1.18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Romans 1.18. Once you get there, look up at me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Men suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Is that a true statement? Yes. Absolutely it is. And I submit to you, even saved people do it. We have this idea that God loves everybody, Jesus paid for everybody, I decide to give my life to Jesus and now I lose my sin nature. That's not true. No. Okay. If that was true, you wouldn't sin anymore. And by the way, the Church of the Nazarene, that's exactly what they believe. That's exactly what they believe. That's why they have to get saved so many times. Next. And continue to willfully live in sin. That's just finishing out the statement. Because they are totally depraved, this sinful lifestyle seems right to men. Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 14, 12. You should know where Proverbs is. I hope you do. We've been in it for over a year. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. When does it stop seeming right? once we leave the body. Yesterday, it seemed right to me to eat everything in the house. But did it help? Nope. 
sure didn't. And I submit to you, if you'll pay attention to the sin that easily besets you and say, all right, does this solve the problem? You'll notice that it never does. And then the thought will come, then why am I doing it? Doesn't make any sense. Continue on. So they reject the gospel of Christ as foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved it is the power of God. Total depravity without the Holy Spirit, says it's all foolishness. But, God loves everybody. Jesus paid for everybody. It's my turn to make the choice. Will we do it? No. I used to believe, as a teenager, because it's what I was taught in Christian school, I was taught in Christian school that Jesus paid for all the sins of everybody, except one, and that's rejecting him. Jesus paid for all the sins of the whole world because he's the propitiation for the whole world. He loves the whole world, so he has to pay the sins of the whole world. This is a Unitarian point of view, by the way. Except one, I've got to choose. I've got to make the decision. And if I don't, then I'm cast into hell because I rejected Jesus. That's great and wonderful except for one thing. Billions and billions and billions of people that never rejected it because they didn't know it existed. India, China, they didn't reject it. They didn't know it existed. How much, don't raise your hand, don't answer. How much do you know about Hinduism? That's how much they know about Christianity. Have you ever rejected Hinduism? No, you just accepted Christianity. They have not done it. That never made sense to me even in high school because it's not true. Continuing on, we're getting close to needing to be done. And their mind is hostile toward God, for it does not subject to the law of God, for it is unable to do so. Now, that's a lot, but it's all in Romans 8, 7. Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind, the natural mind, the, the mind that's not influenced by the Holy Spirit, the mind that says, I'm hardwired. So I, I hate to beat you up, but man, what an opportunity. It's just a, a, a tremendous example. The carnal mind is enmity, enmity against God. When I told Wade that he didn't have to do it, did that make him happy? No, because the carnal mind, the sinful mind, total depravity, gets mad. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It can't be. So therefore, God loves everybody. Jesus paid for everybody. I'm just going to make the decision. Can I make the choice according to that verse? Can't do it. God has to make me alive. Once he has made me alive, then I decide to accept it because all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. If the Father doesn't start it, it will not happen at all. True. We're going to stop here.
I think we've proved that the statement is correct. Would you agree? Okay, next week, we're going to pick up accepting that it's true and move on with that. Father, thank you so much for your word. Without your word, we're just a bunch of people with a bunch of opinions that can't get along. Thank you for your word because your word tells us what we should believe. And if we will just let your word talk, we will believe the right things. Father, please help us in understanding total depravity. Because if you don't, total depravity says we won't understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.